Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Content warning. This episode may contain ranting and raving and slight evangelical Tourette's. Uh, How's it going? What's up, Chief End? Haven't uh, podcasted in a minute. I think that's the phrase, and I feel like I've already cracked that lame joke on a previous episode. Uh, But who am I kidding? Everybody says your life flashes before you. In my case, it just seems like it blends together. It's like I... All the events in my life just get jammed into a blender, some sort of massive juicer, and it just becomes one big smoothie of experiences, joys, regrets, disappointments, triumphs, and you can't make sense of one or the other. Um, so I hope everybody's doing well. Uh, the content warning is accurate. Um, because I do want to talk about something that is gnawing at me, which is frustrating me. And lo and behold, lo and behold, yet another Christian leader has taken a magnificent swan dive off the pedestal of admiration, fame, and all of the peripheral benefits that come with being an evangelical superstar. And he has splatted on the ground. <laughs> um, yes, the Christian comedian John B. Christ, I think, John Christ, uh, canceled his tour f- after allegations surfaced uh, that he somewhat validated somewhat said were a little bit embellished but uh, enough for him to say yeah I need to take a break of him uh using I, I want I, I want to say using his position of influence um I mean he's a comedian uh so I, you know it's not I don't, I don't think it's the same situation as a pastor um but allegations surfaced that he uh was having uh sex with married women, um, around the land, uh, and exchanging sexual favors for tickets. So he canceled the remainder of his North American tour. I don't know what the verdict is on his Netflix special. You know, I doubt Netflix really cares so long as they have eyeballs and subscribers. Um, and for whatever reason, there seems to be a little bit less moral outrage, uh, when, Christians crash and burn than when like a Harvey Weinstein or somebody crashes and burns because it almost feels like there's more of a jadedness that comes with the Christians crashing and burning like ah yeah we kind of knew it they're all closet perverts to begin with and they're just using their moral uh, soapbox to look down on everybody else but we all know they're a bunch of suckers so I don't know there seems to be a little bit less um outrage for some reason and I don't know why it seems like there should be more at least that's my opinion um but yeah so we've had another leader swan dive another influential person another well-known famous person take a magnificent swan dive from their hundred meter high pedestal that we prop these people up on and it's kind of like the lord of the rings uh I think it was lord of the rings 2 when 
the orcs are assaulting that that fort slash castle slash whatever thing that was like dug into the rocks and it was like supposedly impregnable, but there was like some sewage drainage ditch that they overlooked. And that suicidal suicide bomber orc ran in there with a big spiky bomb and blew up the entire wall. Uh, yeah, these guys take swan dives and it's, it's like, it looks like in my mind when I visualize these guys taking swan dives off their pedestal, um, it reminds me of the rocks, the catapult thing that the good guys had, uh, there where they're catapulting those ginormous boulders, which begs the question, how on earth did you get a 15 ton piece of granite into the catapult to begin with? I didn't see any hydraulics. Um, and I doubt all those scrawny elves and dwarves were lifting that, uh, but I, you know, that's, that's a topic for a different day. Um, so they're catapulting those, you know, 15, 20 ton granite slabs over the wall. They come flying through the air and they just splat. And there's like a little ripple effect of like orcs, like, you know, anything within a 20, 30 foot radius, just kind of boosh, dust flying everywhere. Orcs flying all over the place, squished orc guts. And then the orgs, orcs, orgs, whatever they are, they kind of look at each other and Arr! we're coming after you, elves. How dare you murder us with those little fairy ears and pristine blonde Goldilocks hair. Uh, they're sharpshooters, though, those elves. They are sharpshooters. Um, then you always have to have some guy, you know, die valiantly <laughs> in slow motion. <laughs> With the hair whipping in super slow-mo. Pensive looks on his face. What have I done? I could have lived forever, but I'm defending. Hildago. Um. <laughs> I'm defending Hildago so he can go in a horse race in a later movie. Oh, boy. Um. So that's what they do. They swan dive. And he, you go, well, Brandon... You're being so mean and so judgmental. Oh my gosh. Why are you judging people? And this is the bone that I have to pick. My gosh, Brandon, every time you podcast, you have a bone to pick. I try not to, but they just keep popping back up. Like stop creating so many bones, evangelicalism, and maybe we'll stop picking at them. Um, but here's the thing. So John Christ, Magnificent Swan Dive, you know full-on just great form arched back whap and what's the response time after time after time after time again what's the response you get on social media you get on the christian blogs you get on your instagram you look at people commenting and without fail christians the Christian community, by and large, always goes to, oh my goodness, we need to be so much more loving, so much less judgmental. Oh, we can't criticize these men. We just have to love them. We just have to extend grace. Yes, it's so sad. We shouldn't glory in other people failing. That's what you hear over and over and over and over and over again. Which, fine, I get it. The scripture says, if anyone 
falls, restore him with the spirit of gentleness. Um, it says, take heed lest if you think you stand, take heed. If any man thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. Pride goeth before the fall. Um, there's clearly an element of extending grace and forgiveness and and being patient and long-suffering with restoring people. But the one thing that I don't hear, nobody asks the question or criticizes the church at large, calls into question building the pedestal in the first place. And you go, huh? Case in point, I can remember 10 years ago, and you might go, oh man, this is a, you're just screaming and you're probably going to use some bad words and you're getting really mad. I mean, get used to it. It's no different than a Driscoll sermon. (laughs) You, You guys are used to that. You love that. You put that up on a pedestal. Oh, Driscoll. So 10 years ago, Driscoll's ranting and raving and cussing at people from the pulpit and, oh, he's the cussing pastor and he's so cool. And Christendom's just losing their business. He's on CNN. He's defending the faith. He's amazing. And then there's Tulian Tavichkin tooling around to whatever he's doing, grace-only conferences and pumping his ego and lifting weights and, you know, going to Mr. Universe contests with his rippling biceps and 12-pack abs and putting on a Speedo and baby oil and glistening himself up for the camera. That's obviously a little bit of hyperbole, but not really. Um, And I'm sitting there 10 years ago going, man, you know, what are we doing, church? What are we doing, evangelical friends? What are we doing, fellow Christians? We're we're lifting these guys up. They're clearly ego-driven. They're clearly money-driven. They're clearly profit-driven. They're clearly love of the world driven. No, you're not. They're not. You're just so jaded. Oh my gosh, you're bitter. And then what happens? Driscoll calls women penis homes. Tulian starts running around on his wife, knocking boots with women in his church. They come crashing down and burning. And I said, I said, I actually tweeted it on some anonymous Twitter account that I run. (laughs) I said, T minus the over under I'm setting is 18 months for these guys to be back in the saddle. Lo and behold, Driscoll was right around 18 months, disgraced, closes down Mars Hill, liquidates the whole thing, deflects a couple lawsuits, disappears out of the public eye, 18 months later, shows up, buys some church building in Scottsdale, Arizona, and is up and running again with Trinity Church USA. Cult number two, up and running, Kool-Aid brewing in the back room. I think Tulian was a little bit longer, two years. Okay, he's back. He just launched some church. I don't even remember what the name of it is. The Refuge or Habitat for Humanity or Forgiveness Central, something. Grace are us. You know, I mean, could you get any more stereotypical with your comeback plans? I mean, it's unbelievable. It's so predictable. You just have to wait. Give these guys 18 months, maybe 24. They're going to get back on the saddle. They're going to rebrand, rename. Woo, and they're going to start pumping their name, their position, lessons learned, blah, 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 right back again. Oh, but they're supposed to be restored. We're supposed to be gracious. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be gracious and we shouldn't seek to restore people. The question that I'm asking that I don't see being asked 
is why on earth is there a vacuum to suck people into the to take the spot on the pedestal where the last guy just tripped and swan dive and fell 10 miles and splatted like a 20 ton piece of granite on a bunch of orcs why what are we doing as christians what are we doing as the church what are we doing as evangelical culture to demand the person get on the pedestal in the first place that's the question we should be asking bleep 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 Again, it's a Driscoll sermon. Calm down. Why aren't we asking that question? Why does everybody just get back in front of the camera and their microphones and say, oh, we just, oh, well, we can't be judgmental. And if you're judgmental, you're just jaded and bitter. No, I'm asking the question. Why are we demanding the next guy take the pedestal? You go, what are you talking about? That's not true. It's absolutely true. Because after Driscoll crashed and burned, who are we turning to? I'm glad you asked. And the reason I know this, and, and it gets worse every single time, and, and this just blows me away. Um, it gets worse every time. No, I don't want notifications turned on. Thank you very much, Instagram. The porch. So you know when you open up Instagram, and uh, you've got... What do they call it? It's just like your home screen, I guess. No, you click search. And it just loads like a tab of like suggested things. So I've got like surfing wipeout videos, CrossFit slash high intensity interval training videos, a bazillion tennis videos, um, and every now and then some sort of architecture design thing. Um, that Like that's my suggested feeds. So they... they I guess they take what I enjoy looking at and then they just jam suggestions at me that tailor to those things. So one of the IGTV things that popped up for me to click was a comedian. It was some comedian. And I never heard of the guy. I clicked on it and I watched it. And I was like, oh, okay, whatever. You know, he's kind of funny. Um, and then when you when you get into an IGTV like tagged channel after that particular video plays, it swipes over automatically like turns it looks like the screen's turning you know what i'm talking about like rotates to the left um sort of like a screen page turn and it loads the next video in that tagged arena so another comedian popped up um well this time the second comedian popped up and i was like eh, lame i mean let's be honest comedians are not funny they there's just a race to the lowest common denominator of scatological jokes body fluid jokes, tons of cussing. I mean, really? Like, that's your humor? Woo, so funny. Um, so this guy came out with some crass title, and I was like, I'm not watching that. So I, I swiped once to see what the next one was, and a pastor came up, and I thought, okay, either this is just an algorithmic glitch with Instagram, or the church has devolved into such a mess that pastoral clips are now being tagged alongside comedians and I was like okay I have to watch this so I watched it and it literally was like a terrible stand-up routine um, by this young blonde just so stereotypical guy uh, in evangelical land and I clicked on his profile and he's the director of the porch and I said well what the heck is the porch 
And the porch's quote, a weekly gathering of thousands of young adults in Dallas, Texas is kind of like church, but not as you know it. And it hit me like a, it hit me like that 20 ton slab of granite. And I said, something is wrong with individual Christians in America that we are demanding these, the next guy to climb the freaking pedestal. And we're not even demanding that he climb the pedestal. We're like helicoptering him up like Punjab style in, in Annie. You know, when Punjab's got his like Sikh turban on and he's holding on to the edge of the helicopter, Daddy Warbucks's autocopter. We're like, hey, come on, come on up to the top. Who's next in line? We'll lift you up there. We want Barabbas. I, we're just chanting for the next guy to get on top of the pedestal and entertain us. And he's going to get up there. You know, it's 10 miles high. And we're just, and he just looks down at us and he goes, oh my gosh, these people love me. They love me. Worship at my feet. And then he gets distracted. I mean, the, the, you know, it's, it's, it's forever high, the pedestal. The expectations are like next to perfection. We're, we want them to be mini messiahs. We want them to be Christ-like for us. We want them to be our pseudo-mediator for us. I mean, just go and watch the, the absurd descriptions that quote-unquote mainstream, why do I say quote-unquote mainstream evangelical churches are doing? There was one I watched the other day. It will remain nameless. One of the most egotistical, dumbest churches in America and the guy has a has a vision video, a whole thing of their like distinctives. And the first, second, or third video was follow the leader. And the whole thing was about, hey, I have a vision from God, and you must follow me. And it's like, what is wrong with individual Christians? That's my beef. That's the question that needs to get asked when these clowns trip and fall off their pedestal. Nobody's asking it. Nobody's talking about it. Everybody just turns a blind eye and says, well, we just have to be loving and patient and not too judgmental. Look, I'm not, I'm not necessarily, I'm not even going after John Christ. What I'm going after is you, me, the 10,000 other people in some megachurch that's contributing to the culture that is demanding that the next guy climb the pedestal. Well, it's just God weaning. It's just God pruning the church. He has to get rid of the chaff in order to make room for the wheat. So Driscoll and Tulian, they, you know, disqualified themselves. And the next guy just has to come up because he's the new growth. I mean, not to sound too jaded and, you know, pray the Lord that he provides grace to not let this guy go off the rails. But the odds of this porch guy going off the rails in the next five years because we have sucked him in, we've created such a powerful vacuum that demands somebody climb on a pedestal so we can oogle and worship them. The odds that that environment, that the church made up of individual Christians has created for this guy, the odds that that environment will result in him 
tripping and falling off the pedestal and swan diving onto a bunch of orcs down below is pretty high if you look at the historical precedent of the American church the last 30 or 40 years. So yeah, I've got a bone to pick and it's with individual Christians. Stop putting people on pedestals. Holy smokes. <sighs> but they are God's anointed. I mean, the Bible says God's not a respecter of persons. Um, the fear of man is a snare. Those who trust in man, cursed is he who trusts in man. It, it just, we need, to in, we need to look at ourselves. So the next time an evangelical leader trips and splats off the pedestal, instead of going around and telling everybody at the bottom of that pedestal, hey, now, now be kind to him. Maybe we need to like actually say, you know what? Maybe we should all work to dismantle this pedestal. Maybe that's what we should be focusing on. But we don't. We get on the, we get on the, the, the phone. J. Edgar Hoover, Daddy Warbucks here. I need the autocopter. Get Punjab up there. We got to lift the next guy up. And just like Lord of the Rings, somebody inevitably is dumb enough and immature enough and hubris-filled enough and gullible enough and selfish ambition-driven enough to say, I can manage the ring. Give it to me. And they go up to the top of the pedestal. They get dizzy from the height. They get intoxicated with the love of praise and, oh, the, you're, you're an anointed uh, man of God. We will follow you wherever you lead us until he trips and falls and splats on the ground. And then we get the next guy in line. It's like a conveyor belt of, we're just spitting out a conveyor belt of good looking, egocentric, charismatic caricatures of, of people that we want. We want them to be this way. We want them to save us. We want them to inspire us. You want to be inspired as a Christian, turn off your phone, get in your room somewhere, get on your knees with the word of God open and plead the Lord for mercy for not trusting him in him and instead looking to lick the boots of some charismatic leader who you are assigning way too much prestige and aura and mystery to. They're just people, and they're just as fallen as you are. They're just as sinful as you are. They're just as prone to going astray as you are. Just because they wear black fitted t-shirts and stand on cool, cool design stages with nice lighting and neat graphics and pithy phrases doesn't make them saviors. So yeah, I mean, I, I, whatever. I mean, John Christ did what he did. Duh. <laughs> We're at fault for creating the environment for him to do that. That's my point. And until we realize that, and until we tap the brakes on that, get some smelling salts for our soul on that and go, wow. We're, we're complicit in this. We're complicit in creating this environment. 
until we come to our senses as individual Christians on this front, we're just going to continue to see guys swan diving every couple years. And then we'll just continue to hear, oh, well, we just have to be loving and patient and forgiving. Meanwhile, nobody is ever asking the question, why are we building the pedestal in the first place? And why does it seem that we make it higher and higher and higher every time somebody falls off? Somebody falls off, oh, well, we just need to make it higher. So we make it higher and put somebody up there. They fall off, well, it just needs to be higher. Higher standards, more praise, more adoration, more follows, more likes, more desperately pleading comments. Um, and this is complete conjecture going off of 25 years worth of observations. So does that make a conjecture? I don't know, probably. Um, but I, I really think the one of the contributing factors here is... Some of us want, we crave what they have. We crave the audience. We crave the attention. We crave the eyeballs. We crave the adoration. We love the idea that people would look to us as a pseudo mediator between them and God. Like we just love that idea. And you say, well, no, we don't. The scripture says there's only one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Yeah, that's what the scripture says. But the American church sure as heck doesn't operate in a way that appears that we believe that. You go, what? No, we do. No, we don't. Because we are looking to pastors to inspire us towards God. Though they draw us nearer to God. Their content draws us nearer to God. But we want it. We secretly want it. We kind of envy and covet their positions. We wish we were them. We think we could handle it. And so we don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to say, hey, hey guys, why are we worshiping these men in ways that we shouldn't be? No one wants to rock the boat. We want to kind of go along with the system. Um, well, I'm, I've never been afraid to rock the boat. I'm not one to really worry about that stuff. I'm trying to get after the foundational problems that are plaguing American evangelicalism. And yeah, there's a lot of problems with the e egomaniacal snake oil salesmen littering pulpits across the land. But at some point, you have to turn the, turn the direction of the critique away from the pulpit and actually look at the people. Because God, doesn't the scripture say that God gives them, I think the scripture says, God gives them leaders after their own hearts, leaders, is that, is that actually scripture or is that, is that me, um, leaders after their own heart? This is going to be good because I, I, God says, then I will give you shepherds after my own heart and I'll give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you, um, leaders after my own heart. I'm going to have to research this now. I'm really going to have to research this because I always thought I, I, my thinking the maxim that I have is that God gives us leaders after our own hearts. Um, this is going to be good. This is going to be some, some, uh, research for me. Um, 
Okay, I'm gonna have to look at this. But my point, even though it apparently is counter to scripture at the point, <laughs> I have a point um, and it's not as backed by scripture as I thought it was gonna be. <laughs> but I love it when this kind of stuff happens. When you challenge your presuppositions, is that the actual thing? Um, we have to ask ourselves, do the leaders reflect not necessarily what God desires, but are the leaders that we're propping up on pedestals reflect our desires? That's the question we need to ask ourselves. Um, but it's not even in the Bible, Brandon, because you just Googled it and that's not what it said. Um, it's still a question we need to ask ourselves. Um, I mean, I think it, so I think that where that thought comes from is, is, you know, over and over God says, Hey, I want to be your King. I want to be your king. And the people say, no, we want a king. So what does God do? Okay, fine, I'll give you a king. I think this is where I'm getting it. Maybe it's kings after your own heart. I'm going to lock this down because this is causing a categorical uh, defragmentation freakout moment for me at, the, at, at this particular moment in time. Um, but John B. Christ, John Christ, stumbling and following, falling off, swan diving. Um, the question that I would propose to you is when are we going to draw a circle around our own individual hearts and selves and ask why are we insisting on propping these men up to meet unrealistic expectations in the first place? And until we collectively as a church begin to ask that question, we are going to see more and more leaders just trip and fall. And it may be the porch guy. It may not be the porch guy. It may be Furtick or Matt Chandler or a dozen others. And it inevitably will be. Um, but until we begin to ask that question and actually change our focus from worshiping pseudo-mediators to worshiping the one true mediator, uh, this sad cycle is going to repeat. The pedestal is going to get higher and higher. The falls will get more and more spectacular. And in the long run, it's just damaging to the church, it's damaging to the people of God, it's damaging to the exclusive glory and power and uniqueness of God himself. Um, so I would really, really, really implore you, um, to consider how you were contributing to this culture. Um, how did you contribute to an environment that allowed John Christ to do what he did? And I'm going to leave it right there because that is, that is sufficiently, uncomfortable enough of an ending. Ask that question and think about it. Peace.